Do I have anybody who's coming in for just this session? Okay. All right. Boy, wow. We've got to give a quick summary then of where we were in the last session, which is of we talked a little bit about the idea of – Jeff, would you mind our newcomers getting help to get them – them a handout, one of each of those. Of each. Mm -hmm. You're getting a, a handout. In the last, I gave these to the last group of, and just at the end, so that we could use them in in this session. And one of which is a list of of health development questions or questions that we began to ask back at this conference in 2005 about short-term medical outreach. And, and how we uh, maybe need to think about what we're doing in that regard. The second one is a list of case studies that we're going we're gonna to break up and we're going to talk about these in a couple of minutes. Uh, and and we, may go through, we may go through one. I'm going to uh, just quickly review a couple concepts that I talked about in the first session, which is, you know, when we talk about the idea of how do we make long, you know, short-term mission programs with long-term impact, well, they're all going to have a long-term impact. Some of it's a bad long-term impact. Some of it's a good long-term impact. So we want to make sure that if we're, if we're working in that realm, that, uh, that if we're going to have an impact, what does that look like? We talked about what is mission in the first uh, session as far as uh, what, is, what are we really called to do scripturally. And, and that's, that's of, vital, of vital importance in the sense that our mission is not to field a short-term medical team. Our mission is not to do good humanitarian work. Our mission is to make disciples who make disciples. And that is a very hard and difficult work within the context of a one-week or two-week mission trip. Would you agree? The only way we really can accomplish mission is goes back to what uh, something I mentioned earlier, which is, is really short-term missions were created with the idea of having one real purpose, to serve and support long-term missions in their programs. And uh, Dr. McKinney spoke a little bit about, about what is mission and uh, from, from kind of the receiver perspective and in trying to keep us focused on, on where we need to be missionally and, and really how do we plug in with long-term programs. Because patient safety issues are huge in short-term uh, short one-week teams. The other thing that we, can, we have to consider is human dignity. How do, we, how do we promote and support human dignity? So that's kind of just the quick summary. We talked about Maria's story, and if you look on here, I'm going to have some of you guys do this story shortly, but we talked about a, a, a challenge uh, that, that of a, a true story that I collected in Honduras, actually, of some years ago. The, uh, of talked about the idea of patient safety really needing some of uh, to, to be functional process structure and patient-centered outcomes. Uh, how do we achieve that in short-term missions? So we have two things. If our witness is going to be good, how do we do good health care delivery and how do, we, how do we do good mission? Those two things have to work together, both of which are almost impossible to, con to, to achieve 
in the construct of setting up in a church or a school and handing out medicines in Ziploc baggies. Of, you know, we talked about some of the, the patient safety challenges of, real quick, of, talked about, you know, 125 children per day lose their lives as a result of poisonings around the world, according to the World Health Organization. The vast majority of those are a result of pharmaceuticals. So our pharmacovigilance has to be there in anything that we do, uh, short or long-term missions. But I, I see this as a, probably a bigger problem in, in short-term missions. And we talked about the idea of if you're going to be dispensing medications, uh, child-resistant containers are kind of a minimum standard. Of in it's that uh, I think I mentioned it's usually drug dealers who are giving out medications in Ziploc baggies, not healthcare professionals. So uh, keep that in mind as we go forward. As far as when you're looking at how do we create standards and and that we can hold each other accountable to, that we can uh, that we can create missions that have a long-term impact. But ultimately, and I think that we we both came to the to the head that. If you're going to be out there serving, there's hundreds of mission hospitals around the world. And uh, for those of you who are hearing the repeat, I'm sorry, but there's hundreds of mission hospitals dying around the world. And, and there's, you know, four million short-term volunteers that went out into the mission field last year from North America. Why are we not plugging in with those hospitals and health programs? Because that is what's going to serve mission. That is how we can... You know, serving and supporting the long-term missions and ministry is, is what we should be about instead of going up and trying to partner with a local pastor. God bless them. They, they, they have a great heart, and they're trying to serve their community. But oftentimes, they're not going to tell you about the hospital down the road of, or that there is consistent care being provided in that area. Of, and, and there's a lot of dynamics that I would always, always, always say you need a cultural bridge of meaning that you need to, you need to be working with somebody who has who understands uh, both cultures really well because where you land to work with a national partner you're they they're not going to tell you the whole truth they're going to tell you what you want to hear oftentimes uh, oftentimes they see you as a uh, and there's there's a African researcher that did a or uh, did did her dissertation on of uh, relationships and partners between the global north and the global south, and one of the one of the relationships she pointed out was the cow and the milker, of uh, where people see when you get off the airplane in shiny fluorescent t-shirts, they see you as the cow, and they get to be the milker, and they're trying to direct and learn how to get as much out of the short-term mission team as they can. And, and you know what? I don't blame them for that because that's, you know, we've created this model of dependency. And of sometimes that's what we fall into, and I see churches fall into that all the time, where we just create dependency and we, and, and if we had a cultural bridge who fully understands that culture and fully <coughs> understands our culture, you eliminate a lot of that. Those people can tell you who to work with the national partners. But it goes back to that idea that short-term missions have one purpose, to serve and support long-term missionaries in their programs. And when we try to confuse that, you're, uh, you're going to get misdirected most of the time. 
I remember the first mission trip I did was in. Uh, oops, I got lost our other mic here. Uh, the first mission trip I did was uh, facilitated by a pastor who took us to a community that. Uh, that had a hospital, had a health program, and we had no idea until after we left and got an email that from a local Peace Corps volunteer that they felt we stepped on the local health care establishment, we didn't respect them, that you know we were the heroes in our white T-shirts that uh, came to, to save the day and how that really wasn't supportive of the dignity of people in that community who could take care of themselves. Uh, and that, that really was what prompted my wife and I to really begin to process how do we do this thing called missions better. And this, this pastor is still a good friend of ours to this day. We love him dearly. Uh, and his intention was to serve that community, but he didn't plug us in in the right place. The right place was to plug us in with the hospital and the region and the health program. Uh, so as we move forward, I wanna, we want to cover a couple of these case studies that we collected uh, in our walk through learning uh, in studying short-term missions and the interaction with long-term missions. And uh, so at this point, I'm going to have uh, Jeff come up and, and walk through one case study with you uh, from Loma. And then we will, uh, then I want to break into small groups. And, uh, and I want you guys uh, to just talk about how could we have done this differently? How could we make this better? What would this look like in, in, in a world where we could create missions that serve long-term missions, that really meet both the spiritual aspect of what we're trying to do and in w- with the ultimate goal? And how do, we, how do we sustain patient safety and human dignity in that context? Make sense? We'll, uh, after, we, uh, after Jeff kind of goes through this one, we'll, we'll talk about... Uh, we'll get out some poster boards and we'll break up into some groups. I think I broke one of these. There you go. Thanks. When Greg and I first started talking about how we were going to do this kind of difficult uh, tag team approach to um, a complicated, a complex at least, issue of how to uh, do the interface between short-term medical missions and long-term medical missions. How are we going to present this? It sort of evolved over a period of some months that we were only able to communicate with each other by Internet, and we were both pretty busy. And so, um, actually, uh, I think the the presentation that I tried to give this morning was the the third complete presentation that I'd written out as we got closer and closer to how we were going to present this. And in one of the earlier ones, um, I understood that I needed to give some case studies and I didn't want to give bad case studies, which that is examples of how short-term medical missions have been done poorly. And over the last 40 years, I I have 
hundreds of them in my head, and I didn't want to give them, partly because I don't, I don't think the kingdom's well served by focusing on the negative, uh, and I particularly didn't want to give them because um, sooner or later, somebody kind of uh, realizes, hey, wait a second, he was talking about me, and it'll get back to, it'll get back to me, and I just don't want to do that. So on the negative case studies that I uh, understood was part of my assignment that I came up with, I came up with ones that really pointed back at me because I was the one that was involved in those short-term missions that I thought uh, were good examples of short-term missions where either the mission aspect or the medical aspect was not done well. And in the process of coming up with uh, a way to deliver this, um, it made it more clear to me that there are standards of what is good medicine, what is good healthcare delivery, and there are also standards of what is good mission. Uh, and the standards of what is good mission are found in the scripture. And that's what I went over or tried to go over most uh, in the, the first hour, and that it is not just some vague concept that there is this the Great Commission, and the, the Great Commission is to go out in the world and evangelize. Instead, uh, the Lord gives us through his word very clear cut what is our mission as Christians uh, what is our mission in Jerusalem? What is our mission in Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world? And it's the same mission. Uh, it's just done in different places. But that mission includes... Steve, do you know is the uh, power the slide that it has the, the big picture thing on it? Is that in here somewhere findable? Mm-hmm. It might be good if I can put that up. Is it toward the just end? Just click through. It's towards, towards the end, yeah. Is this, am I on it? Uh, not seen it. Have you seen it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because what we did, okay. we, it doesn't have the title. Big so these, these um, objectives, you say one more? Yeah. These objectives... Of what uh, these what these these um, standards of what is good healthcare delivery in uh, in medical missions and these standards of what is good mission in medical missions we ought to be able to make a list of them we ought to have that carry that around in our head we ought to have uh, these metrics well worked out and we tried to. Uh, come up with those, and I think one of these slides is <clears throat> is medical, and one of these slides is mission. But one of the big picture concepts is just that that there are, there are standards. It's not it shouldn't be vague. It shouldn't be unclear. We should have in our head and in our pocket what is good medicine, and what is good mission, and we should compare our efforts, we should be able to hold it up and and evaluate it and see if these efforts that we're doing, is it good medicine and is it good missions? Um, The case study that I'm about to present, oh no, 
Oh, I thought in the earlier development of my various talks that I had prepared for this, in which I had come up with a, a couple of case studies that I had seen and experienced short-term or intermediate-term medical missions not done well, and they were not done well by me, um, I thought that I, I should also, therefore, uh, when I saw one that I had to present that, uh, that was done well, that we present the positive, I ought at least be able to present one that I had also participated in and that I had seen and personally experienced. And that's the one that I'm going to present here. This is how I have seen uh, short-term medical missions really accomplish that checklist of what is good medicine and what is good mission uh, by being involved in being grafted into an ongoing long-term uh, medical <coughs> mission work. And I've seen it at Hospital Loma de Luz. This uh, is found on your handout. It's the collaborating with mission hospitals on, on a handout that looks like this. You may have to flip it over. And if you'll look at the one that's collaborating with mission hospitals, this... Um, this example, we've probably seen in this last year repeated 20 times. We, we have uh, 300, between 300 and 500 um, visitor volunteers each year at Loma de Luz. More and more, we have focused on people coming in ones and twos and threes and fours instead of tens. We don't do very much in the way of larger groups like TINs. Uh, and we make certain that they are grafted in, that it's not the work, it's, it's an adjunct to the work. Um, and that we have both the facilities, the manpower, the policies, the procedures, uh, the, the day in and day out activity that people can come in and plug into and really be used of the Lord to... Uh, to exercise their expertise and to be part of the mission aspect of missions. And this is a good example, but it's just, again, it's one of, of many from just this last year. A Christian couple in their 60s uh, recently volunteered at Hospital Loma de Luz for two weeks. Uh, that Christian couple uh, demonstrate a number of the good aspects that we have identified uh, that... in <laughs> that our goals for us for short-term uh, medical missions uh, interface. And one is that they do meaningful work. They do real work. And in this case, uh, the husband was an ophthalmologist and his wife uh, had learned to help him in both the ophthalmology clinic and in uh, surgery. And they had come back several times. This is, they've probably been coming back for three or four years now, a couple of times a year. They've gotten to know the missionaries. They've gotten to know a number of, of uh, the employees. They remember a lot of the patients, and they'll see the patients in follow-up the next time they come back. Uh, they'll do one cataract on one side and remember the same patient when they come back and be able to engage them on a personal level as well as help them on a medical level. Um, these <clears throat> then are two of, of three um, key goals that we've identified for the interface of short-term uh, medical missions. 
one, they're doing meaningful work. Two, they're um, uh, working on relationships, ongoing relationships. And then three, they also go back as ambassadors of, of the work. They go back to their home community and, and uh, talk about in their church and in, in their, with their neighbors and friends the, the good work that they have seen the Lord doing in other parts of the world. Uh, they fit all of those criteria. And they, it was the third time that year that they'd come to Loma de Luz to serve in this capacity. And let's see. Um, the mission, the, the aspects of Loma de Luz are worth mentioning because it fits into the story that they include the, the hospital, which is a fully licensed hospital, pharmacy, laboratory, cha- with chaplaincy, pastoral training, Christian community development, church planning, agricultural work, foster children's home, orphanage sanctuary, uh, housing, and bilingual school. And this couple interacts with all aspects of that when they are not working in the, uh, their ophthalmology clinic that's set up with good equipment and in a good place with the patients already pre-screened and, the, and medical records there and computers that are hooked up to the pharmacy and ongoing inventory of medications that's kept uh, through uh, an electronic medical record system, uh, operating microscope in the, in the OR for when they do surgery, uh, all of the equipment that they need, this infrastructure that they, that they need to be able to to function uh, doing meaningful work in their area of expertise is all in place, but also the infrastructure that's necessary to carry out the mission aspect of making disciples, of, of uh, caring for the poor, of uh, caring for widows and orphans, uh, all of those things, that uh, the metrics of missions that I talked about in the first uh, hour, they are already in place and this couple can, can be a part of that. By contributing to that, they, they are part of caring for widows and orphans because they're working in a place, they're supporting a work that cares for widows and orphans, uh, that has an orphanage, that has a sanctuary housing for widows. Uh, they are making disciples, uh, even though they're not both fluent in Spanish and able to spend years in developing disciples, they're contributing to a place where discipleship is an ongoing thing, where pastoral training is an ongoing thing, where, uh, where new believers, there's about one new believer a day, every day, year in and year out, and those new believers aren't just, uh, just checking a box with the chaplaincy but are plugged into their local churches and, and, we, and are checked on by our chaplaincy wherever they go back to in their home communities in Honduras. There's this kind of spiritual um, uh, infrastructure that's also in place so that the, this, this couple, this ophthalmology couple, cannot just do good medicine but do good missions when they uh, become part of an ongoing work that is doing good uh, mission work. This couple saw in that two-week period of time about 70 ophthalmology patients. They did about 40 eye operations. uh, And during those two weeks, um, at at the same time, about 40 other surgical procedures were going on uh, with long-term surgeons and uh, anesthetists. And every one of these patients was prayed with, had the gospel presented to them, as did the 400 other patients that were seen in those two weeks in the clinics, emergency room, wound clinic, and and inpatient. Uh, Every one of the 20,000 patients a year that are seen in that hospital uh, are prayed with have the opportunity to go to the chaplaincy. About 80% of them do. Uh, 
and the if this ophthalmologist and his uh, and his wife had gone off to some place with a large team uh, where they didn't speak the language and there wasn't this kind of infrastructure in place, I think that they would, uh, even the same couple who had the heart for it, the expertise for it, and the intent to do it, and the willingness to sacrifice, uh, they would have been involved in bad missions. They would have been involved in bad medicine, but they weren't. This was not a negative uh, example. This is a positive example. People uh, that, that come for uh, a shorter period of time to, to contribute really can contribute something meaningful and lasting uh, because they are part of a meaningful and lasting and ongoing work. And in the absence of that, if you just examine the metrics that we've gone through, both of good health care delivery and the metrics of the gospel that we're called to, um, the many-fold gospel that is clear-cut of what we're supposed to be about, you can accomplish that uh, on a short-term commitment because you're part of an ongoing long-term work. And so that's my one case study to do. Greg, you're up again. We're figuring out how to do this tag team thing. Yeah. We're experimenting on you. But now that we've heard, what does it look like when, when uh, short-term volunteers plug into the long-term work? Let's look at what it looks like when we don't. So I'd like to uh, have everybody break into... I've got... Uh, Steve, how many poster boards do we have there? Uh, let's see... Okay, we're going to rearrange this room. I need uh, we need to break into five groups. I think that uh, just for organizational sake, I'd like to start here and count off uh, to five. So we'll just start with one, two, fours and fives find each other, make a small circle, and uh, and let's do this. Let's do the ones over here, the twos back there, the threes back there, the fours over here, and the fives up here. Yes. Do you think anybody needs to hear this at this point? 
Uh, not until we get to reviewing it. Okay. That would be good. World Medical Mission, that's what their work is. Yeah. So I don't know. Okay. So there's a medical mission. I hate to call these three discussions to a close. Right. But I'd like right. to uh, have an opportunity to share these uh, to everybody's uh, examples that they're working on with the rest of the group. So uh, we have two groups doing Maria's story. That would be group one and five. Uh, so maybe we can have we can start with group one to come up and uh, you can stay in your groups or you can go back to uh, uh, where you were. Either one is fine. But uh, group one, if you could share with us kind of how did you uh, how did you fix this challenge? Come, come use the microphone for us. Here's this one. I'm also going to put attach this one to you really quick because this is the one that's recording all of our conversations here. Okay. Thanks. So Maria's story um, is uh, the, the sad case of a, a woman who comes to kind of a, a bushrash clinic with her four children and, and oh thanks um, gets her kids get diagnosed with otitis and pharyngitis and and um, fever and uh, she's sent home with a bunch of antibiotics and antipyretics and a week later or so um, her her infant. Um, had been overdosed for the whole week, um, comes in with, uh, to the local hospital and liver failure, fulminant liver failure, and, and dies. Um, and, and, you know, as a result probably of Tylenol toxicity. So we have, uh, excuse me, uh, things that, which is a laundry list of uh, things that could have been done better, could have been uh, how to potentially have uh, prevented the situation. And so just kind of rattling this off uh, Somewhat rapidly for sake of time, assessing uh, mom's literacy levels um, before you know. So the mom got sent home. And we all these meds, you know, the antipyretics, antibiotics, and in the in the brief uh, case uh, report, there isn't any sense that mom's literacy level uh, level was um, assessed at all. Uh, I believe that the babies, uh, all the meds were sent home in Ziploc baggies, and so not childproof at all. Um, and the setting in which the patient education, the dosing instructions, everything was given was just sort of in the, in the midst of this um, sort of a busy, bustling clinic. There's no sense that, uh, that mom was taken away to the, you know, to the side to, to actually have um, any sort of patient education. No sense that, um, and so I'm going to skip around a little bit, that mom understood or it, whether she understood the dosing instruction was um, assessed no, um, and sort of best practices that the group identified as um, optimally um, mom should uh, be directly observed, um, administering the first dose of medication to at least one of the kids, if not all the kids, so that um, the team knows that she's administering the medications correctly. Um, a PICU nurse in our team um, mentioned the fact that in their PICU that they'll use, um, uh, let's see, they'll mark syringes with color tape to help identify this is how much you draw up, and they'll use sort of color-coded calendars, um, so for BID, TID dosing, um, in sort of a pictogram form that that kind of dosing is done. 
So just ways for low SEA or low, you know, health literacy levels um, that things can be done appropriately and assess in the team assess. And, and with that, we talked about appropriate, you know, the sort of the, the poor pre-med student is the one in the pharmacy dispensing all this stuff with the implication that that person is probably under-trained. Um, if, and the idea if it's not done in the U.S., it shouldn't be done overseas. So, um, so you can't just throw somebody that doesn't have the training skills uh, to safely do a task just because it's overseas. So, so a lot of things uh, could be done better improved. Um, there were um, overtreatment. So the fact that the mom got sent home with a ton of antipyretics, um, which uh, you know proved fatal to this infant, probably didn't need the meds in the first place. So some overtreatment, um, polypharmacy. Um, uh, we, the group identified, well, a lot of times patients will come in and assess the sort of adequacy of the health care that they receive by how much sort of stuff they come home with. And so that's a whole cultural piece of, of addressing expectations, uh, sort of resetting expectations. Um, some of this came out of your book, but the NNPP, so a needle for every need, a pill for every problem, uh, that's part of the cultural kind of stuff that just has to be readdressed. Um, the fact that, again, a, that... Um, the kids were running around this place is the sort of the, the picture that's painted. Um, you know, could there be child care? Could the kids be taken away and done educationally? There's anything with, to kind of help create a better environment for this patient education to occur wasn't done. Um, no sense from the brief, you know, picture of how good the, um, the translator's translation was. It presumably sent through translation, but was that assessed? Um, and then no evidence of partnering with local health care providers uh, the pictograms you talked about, um, and presumably mom's going to go home to this sort of a, a you know a hut, a mud hut, or something like that. Um, and can she properly keep meds away from the kids? That doesn't isn't assessed in the thing. Um, and finally, just this um, sort of cultural sort of things. Um, all of these things, we, you know, our team identified takes time, takes effort, um, and we don't get the sense that, 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 that this team is wanting to, to value that. Presumably, they're seeing as many patients as they can and um, not recognizing risk of dispensing meds in, in that kind of an environment. So, yeah. so we have room for time for one more. Okay. And uh, I wanted to do Maria's story from you guys, too, but I'd like to do one of the development stories, and I think we might be short time. And then we can stay and do the rest of them as well of – so if, if anybody wants to stay, and, and we'll go a few minutes over. But uh, who had, uh, who had uh, let's see, which one of the health development ones, uh, disempowerment for health care, uh, short-term health care missions? Okay. Who wants to do that one for us really quick? Can you read the uh, scenario? Okay. I'm gonna. I'll just hold this for you in the sure. meantime. Okay. A general medical team is requested by a missionary in Guatemala. The missionary's home church in Vancouver had several doctors, nurses, and non-medical volunteers that went in response to the request. The team was directed by the missionary to three communities where they held clinics and local churches. They saw 200 patients per day for seven days in a rural area that they believed had very limited access to health care. However, on the second day, Dr. Hernandez, the primary health care provider for the area, arrived to extend his welcome to the team. His clinic was two blocks away. Later, a translator stated that Dr. Hernandez, his cousin, may have 
to close his clinic because he is having difficulty making ends meet. Apparently, volunteer medical teams were coming to the area every two or three months, and each time they did, his business dropped off significantly for the weeks to follow. In addition, his office closed during the time the teams were there. No one wants to go to a local doctor when they can go to a gringo doctor. Everyone knows the gringo doctors are so much better. At church on Sunday, you run into Dr. Hernandez again and learn he is board certified in internal medicine and did a fellowship in public health with the Pan American Health Org in D.C. So we talked about um, things to do better. First of all, broaden your local missionary focus. Um, It's not just what we're doing in this small community. Um, Yes, you may be rural, but there still could be some areas nearby to focus on. Um, Definitely partner with local practitioners. Um, It's about nurturing and creating relationships with the practitioners that are already there so that the gringo doesn't kind of get this elevated status. Um, Cultural humility, definitely, just like Christ would. Um, Quality over quantity. Sure, they had several doctors, but it sounds like they were processing patients uh, really quickly through. Um, Things we definitely saw that could have been prevented Uh, It doesn't sound like there was much of a market or needs analysis done in the area to begin with. Like Dr. Hernandez was a highly educated uh, physician in the area and did not even get consulted in any way. Uh, We talked about how gracious he was to even greet them, knowing that his business was going under. Um, And include studies on disease states and even what are the local clinics and hospitals available that you could potentially partner with uh, and refer patients to. Excellent. Thank you, guys. Do we, uh, uh, do we want to stay just to squeak in one more? I think it would be, uh, I think it would be great. Uh, yes, thank you very much. Uh, let's see, who... Unintended consequences. Who has that one? You going to come up? We had the unintended consequences, and I think do I need both of them? I'm just going to hold this one over here. This one is the recording mic, so uh, the recording is session. Okay. Um, in 2010, a number of hospitals were placed under immense economic strain. One mission hospital nearly closed during this time. What was driving this strain? There was a huge number of volunteer medical teams serving in village communities all over Haiti. Patients were choosing not to seek outpatient care from the established clinics and hospitals that had their patient records because there were teams providing free care. One of the more functional hospitals in Haiti from fee-for-service care um, was almost forced to close during this time. This, hospital, this is a hospital responsible for a large catchment area that provided the only emergency OB services in the region. If it were not for a benevolent donor who stepped in at the last minute, the hospital would have closed. So um, the first thing we came up with was to identify local resources. We needed to, to um, the, the team that went needed to look at what was there and recognizing that Haiti had been devastated by this disaster um, did not take away the fact that there were some 
resources that were there and um, could be utilized. Uh, we needed to communicate with the local resources um, to coordinate service. Um, later on in one of these, we also talked about it, not just the clinic, the medical resources, but there would perhaps be some other community resources, social services, um, political entities that needed to be considered. Sometimes the mayor of a community um, needs to have his um, um, ego stroked a little, and maybe that's what it takes. And if you ignore that, you, you do a disservice to everyone. Um, also, this was a fee-for-service hospital, so maybe we, we needed to go in there and talk to them about some way to compensate them for whatever loss they might incur by treating people who didn't have uh, the financial resources to pay that fee-for-service. Or uh, we also talked about maybe formulating some kind of a sliding scale. Uh, you would have to incorporate um, information from local people, uh, pastors, um, social services, whatever there would, in order to truly identify the needs and, and do that in a, in a just way, but it would be something to at least consider. Um, preserve the local provider's integrity and status in the community. So instead of, you know, this, this cultural humility thing um, and being the ugly American, uh, wanting to avoid that and being willing to, to take a back seat um, in the public view and allow the local people to, um, to get the credit for the work that's being done. Um, we also recognize that doing the work in the name of a, lo a local clinic might require some compromise. And as Christians, um, as evangelicals, and looking at what our mission is, um, we need to weigh how much compromise we're willing to do as far as values and morals, and that, that could be a, a, an ethical issue that we would have to sort out. Um, partner with local churches. Um, work with the clinic or the hospital to formulate a sliding scale. I touched on that, and then we have just a couple more. Okay, be aware of the other players in the community. Um, consider leaving supplies, uh, equipment, leftover medications, things that could be left there that would enhance the status of that clinic or that hospital, whatever entity you're working with, would enhance um, their status as well as their ability to serve the community on an ongoing basis. Um, and then be willing to teach, uh, mentor local staff if there's things that, uh, that you can share with them in the, in the way of your, your own personal expertise or professional expertise. Excellent. Thank you guys very much. We appreciate everybody's participation. I think we're going to have to call it to a close since we've gone over. But thank you all so much. And uh, I, I hope this was, uh, was a productive and helpful time for you guys.